Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey there, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. I am your host, Matt Browning, and we are in for a wild ride today. This week has been an awesome week. There is so much going on. There is so much in business. There is so much in my health. I'm getting my health back on track, really, really like pressing into life right now. And one of the biggest things I've been pressing into is my relationship. My wife and I, Lola, have been together for over 10 years. We got an eight-year-old son, Val, and you have probably heard that if you've ever met me. If, you've, if this is your first episode, welcome, and that's who I am. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm really, really big on family life. And as much as we love visionary entrepreneurs that are just building businesses and visions and, and talking about income and productivity, I also am very, very big on empowering holistic life. So this week for today's episode, I have a friend of mine, Jason Gaddis, joining me today. And we're going to talk about how to create indestructible relationships. Jason is a relationship, uh, he's a student and a relationship teacher. He's also the host of the Smart Couple Podcast, and he's on a mission to teach people the one class they didn't learn in school, how to do intimate relationships. He founded the Relationship School, and I love in your intro, bud, you say you've been emotionally constipated for years before relationship failure finally forced you to turn your life over to learning about relationships full-time. Now you live and breathe it. You've been married to an uh, amazing wife since 2007, have two awesome kids. And again, you have to live this congruently, otherwise you get your butt kicked. So welcome to the show. Let's jump into relationship business. Uh, Jason, how are you? Uh, thanks, Matt. Awesome to be here. I am doing well. And I, I'm so excited about this and I don't want to wait any longer. We've, I've already waited a couple of days. We had internet issues a couple of days ago. We got it rescheduled for today. So Let's let's jump into my the first thing that comes to mind whenever I meet someone that has to eat their own cooking, right? And I talked about this to you before when we couldn't use the tape, but I think it's a really important question. When you do relationships for a living and outside of your business, you're clearly doing your relationship, how how do you feel about that? Do you ever have times when it's it's harder than you expected? Uh, what is it like to do your business your personal life is your business. What is that like for yeah. you? Well, it's it's a rigorous practice, Matt. I mean, it's kind of relentless nonstop. You know, I, I teach uh, a bunch of people how to work through their marriage challenges and then I come home to a, marriaging, a marriage that's challenging sometimes. And, you know, it could be easy to do what I used to do, which was go drink alcohol or go um, medicate in some way or run away in the mountains. But now that I have an awesome wife and kids, I don't I don't like... Uh, showing up that way. And it's not who I am anymore. So I show up. I just get to the table and I'm like, okay, honey, let's deal. Because I, I don't like living in a house where there's disconnection going on. There's nothing worse than coming home to your own home and being on edge for more than a couple days. It sucks. you know. So I like to... It keeps me accountable. You know? It keeps me really honest and very accountable. So it sounds a lot like, like if you're a personal trainer and you own a gym... It's sort of like you just, you don't have the option any longer of letting yourself go or having six months where you just kind of are growing a pot belly or you can't have a relationship <laughs> pot belly, right? That's right. No relationship pot bellies over here. <laughs> 
And how long ago? Now you've been married since 2007. Uh, when did you start relationship school? And what came first? Was it, was it the business of relationships or was it after you really were delving into your own relationship? Tell me a little bit about the genesis of deciding I'm going to be a relationship teacher in the first yeah. place. Well, you know, if we were rewind the tapes uh, long ago, you know, my family that I grew up in didn't value, they're awesome. And they just didn't value the kind of intimate connection as much. And so naturally we, we seek and value what we perceive as missing in our life. And so I just constantly was tracking social dynamics as a kid. And then eventually, um, got into girls finally, when they finally liked me back in what college, tracking social dynamics. What was that like before girls? Uh, it means friend groups. Like, do I fit in? Do I belong? Do these kids like me? Uh, am I in the cool kid group? Uh, if I'm not, what do I do about that? Um, so were you like consciously sort of approaching that and looking at that? Cause I feel like a lot of kids would be unconsciously doing it. Is I, you were kind I'd of more was, aware? Uh, no, no, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say I was pretty <laughs> unconscious. You know, I just didn't, you know, it's like a human thing. We want to belong. Right. I, yes. I didn't want to be made fun of or bullied or, and I had both and, and I wanted to fit in and be liked. So I just was unconsciously pursuing being liked. And if people liked me this way, I would act that way. If they liked me that way, and then I would act that way. And, you know, eventually when I started liking girls, they didn't like me back. And finally, um, girls kind of liked me back. And I uh, got into a lot of one-way relationships where I would block my heart and I wouldn't let them in. And I didn't know that I was the problem at the time. I just had it that they were the problem. It was like, oh, once you're X enough, like fill in the blank enough, then I'll open my heart. Then I'll like get close to you. I'll let you in. And that went on for 10 years, that pattern. I finally realized I was the one common variable there. And I was like, okay, I think this is my problem. And I think I'm the problem. But that was liberating because I was like, if that's true, I can do something about it. So that's when I went to grad school and studied myself and psychology. So you actually went and studied yourself psychology and you studied in relationships. And this is before you're married? Before I'm married. Yeah. Before I okay. met my wife. Gotcha. I was working for some um, wilderness therapy programs with troubled teenage boys. Uh, and I was getting a lot out of that. It was awesome. But I still didn't see that I had problems. I was like, oh, these kids have problems and I'm a good helper. But I, I was blind to the fact that I had all these intimacy issues. And so when I started studying myself and peeling back the onion, I realized, man, I'm actually quite terrified of intimacy. I'm pretty scared to go there. I'm scared to let people in because I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt or rejected or whatever. And then I met my wife in grad school and through that process of dating her and finally being in like an adult relationship with a woman, I had started to confront new layers of myself and it was really great because I was in therapy at the time. I was studying psychology. I was um, taking extra classes on relationship. I was delving in deep. So and, um, I mean, you're a super like psychology relationship nerd at this point. I mean, oh, yeah. hearing, right? Like you were like diving in, in all areas. Yeah. So at this point, I'm assuming super passionate about it. Very interested, very curious, yeah. right? Doing everything you can. And then you get into your own relationship. Have you had, like, was there ever a moment when you started going, okay, well, this was really exciting to, to learn about and teach about at the time, but now it's been X amount of years. My, my passions move on somewhere else or is relationship the kind of thing that you just, you've never lost passion for. And, and again, I'm more yeah. thinking like, what, what has been your emotional kind of pattern over then? I'm very curious. 
Yeah. I never lost the fire, uh, and still haven't with relationship stuff. Um, things prior to this in my life, I would lose the kind of inspiration for, but this stuff, once I figured out, um, how kind of that I was the source and I started uncovering all my issues and seeing issues in other people and being very helpful there and very, very effective with people. I was like, Ooh, this is kind of the, there's a lot of juice for me here. And then I built a big booming psychotherapy practice here in Boulder and had a wait list and was working with couples and individuals all on relationship issues. And it was really fun for me. But then I started to get a little tired of people's the same complaints coming in week after week and people not getting traction. And I, I was like, there's something about this psychotherapy model uh, wasn't working for me. And it was more, the relationship stuff was working for me, but the model and the clients I was attracting, they were a little more victim-y, not willing to totally get empowered and do the work, not doing their homework, come back the next week. Oh, I forgot. I was like, uh-uh. So I, I closed my practice down, um, raised my rates, let go of my psychotherapy license and started calling myself a coach. And I started to build an online business. Wow. I, first off, like that's, that's super courageous because I think if you, you have a, a background that I don't know, like I, I'm just going to off the, off the cuff. I, I feel like it's like more legitimate than a lot of coaches, you know, where yeah. there's people that go, Oh, I'm a coach. Cause I went to the seminar or I took a training and it's like, great. I mean, you were probably, well, I was there at some point. A lot of people were, but for you to come with like a quote, legitimate practice, I'm a psychotherapist. I do family marriage counseling. Like this is your thing. But then to recognize that this Petri dish, you know, this, this container doesn't work like I want it to. And then to let it go and change, man, good for you to do that. Um, what do you, what were some of the other patterns you noticed in, in the wrong structure? So you saw victimhood more often. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like maybe like someone who wants to go to say therapy or counseling for their, their relationship, things are already, they're already focused on the problem. They're already feeling like it's not working and they're hoping you're going to fix it versus maybe what you do now. Is that part of it? Or what other patterns did you see? Yeah. The, the biggest one is this triangle model. Um, it's victim, persecutor, rescuer. So the victim comes into my office. I'm the therapist, so I'm naturally the rescuer. And the persecutor or perpetrator is the bad guy or bad girl out there that hurt them. And then I, I validate their feelings. I'm like, oh yeah, that's so hard. That's rough. I hear you. And then the, the victim feels better, right? But fundamentally, there's no change uh, because they're not changing their perception to see that the perpetrator, persecutor, actually, yes, they hurt them, but they also help them and they're, they're helping shape their life through their traumas and their challenges. And that's really confronting for people to see pain that way. But I noticed the people I started studying with, like Dr. John Martini, and more coachy type people sure. were more into the empowerment thing and less into the victim thing. And I was like, ooh, this is more attractive to me. So I, I feel like I let go of the um, triangle model, I call it, uh, I just wanted to step out of that. And I wanted a type of client who was like, you know what? I'm tired of my pattern in marriage and I want to double down on this part of my life and do something about it. I don't want to, I don't want the therapist to fix it. I, I, I want to fix it. And I want the therapist or the guide to just be my mentor and hold my hand and push me and challenge me when I want to quit, things like that. And would you, would you say that from the fair, and I know we're doing broad strokes and it's generalizations. It's not going to be for sure. every therapy practice, but would you say like, one of the difference, differences between therapy practice and relationships versus coaching practice would be focused on the problem usually versus focused on the solution and like what you want more of. Like 
like if my wife and I are going to go to get counseling or go to work with someone, it's going to be because we want to get more intimate. We want to go deeper. We want to have a more passion. You know, we want to be on the same page together, grow our relationship versus we're going to go to a therapist because things aren't working and X, Y, Z is happening and we got to try to intervene. Right. Is that, a, is that kind of what we're describing too? That's definitely one way to see it. Um, I think one of the main differences is coaching tends to focus more on results and outcomes and therapy does focus uh, a little more on historical stuff and maybe where things came from and the pain associated with that, which I think could be really valuable. Uh, a good therapist has, has helped me enormously at times in my life. Um, but the, the, again, the therapeutic model tends to keep people stuck. Uh, unless the therapist is continually challenging the person around their bullshit and saying, no, I think you can, let's see this differently. I think you can do better here. Like, come on, let's set some goals. And, and uh, that's why I, I moved toward coaching. And, and also, yeah, like you said, we can create a vision for the future, a plan, some agreements, you know, it can be very future focused and let's learn some tools, practical tools on how to communicate better. Yeah. So let's talk about that actually. And you have a really cool book that if you, if you guys check out this book and we'll have a link on the show notes and everything. If you're listening in your car, just search for the Smart Couple Quote Book and it's available on Amazon and where you find books. I love this. The Smart Couple Quote Book, radically simple ways to avoid pointless fights, have better sex and build an indestructible partnership. So, so far, I like all three of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably combine together a little bit too. Um, can I ask you more specifically, avoiding pointless fights, what would you call a pointless fight? And when does a conversation or a disagreement or whatever you want to label it, when does it become a fight? Should we always avoid them? Are there times when we should have it out? T tell me a little bit about your perspective of kind of, I don't know, maybe interpersonal communication. What have you seen? What works? Yeah, there's seven stages to a partnership. And the third one is conflict or challenge. And most couples don't make it past the third stage because they think that fights are pointless or that we shouldn't fight or that fighting's bad and wrong. And they want to avoid it because they grew up in a family that was chaotic and aggressive, or they grew up in a family where they never fought at all because the parents were hiding it and burying it under the rug. So we all got a certain download about conflict and most of us don't like it. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. But on the other side of conflict is always more magic in your partnership if you can work through the dynamic. And so I really encourage people to lean into conflict and say yes and to embrace it. But they need to learn how because under stress, most of us act like we acted when we were little kids. Yeah. Or we act like our parents did when they were aggressive and hurt and scared. And it, it doesn't typically go well unless we learn to take command and handle our reactivity and our activation and learn how to also handle our partner's reactivity and their activation. Like that seems to be the core of it for me is how do we handle each other under stress? And couples that don't do this well don't don't handle each other well because they don't know how to be with their own upset. They don't know how to be with their partner's upset because they never were taught as a kid. And so it's just kind of a disaster. So conflict is essential for a couple to deepen and have better sex, better intimacy, deeper connections, and to go further together. And so, there's there's many layers of it, but that's essential to the big picture. 
So it sounds like you're saying, and I certainly, I'm on the same page with you, man. I believe this, that what number one is conflict makes a relationship stronger, but it's not about living in conflict. It's about heading into it, dealing with it healthy, and then resolving that conflict. Yeah. And is there always, is there always going to be more conflict? And you're saying that's a good thing versus the old model, the kind of the therapy model, I would say is eventually we'll, we have this big conflict that's tearing us apart. So if we can fix it, then conflict will be gone. And then we'll right. just live in utopia. Is, yeah. I, I don't quite believe that. Like, so you're saying that it's a, kind of every emerging, ever growing process and conflict will always be a part of it. And that's the thing to embrace. Am yeah. I, yeah. You, that's very, sizing it up? It. Yeah, you got it. I mean, con- conflict, I look at my own life, my own life experience. So listener, look at your own life experience. Have you ever had a, a long period of your life where you were conflict free? Probably not. And if you did, you might've been really checked out or asleep um, because there's always going to be little um, interpersonal challenges with human beings. We're the most threatening things out there. And so it's wise to just go, okay, this is part of life. How do I do this well? And it's not so much the conflict that's the issue. Uh, it's how you clean it up. Um, you know, two kids fighting on a playground, we're taught, I'm sorry, just say you're sorry and move on. And that, that does nothing to resolve the conflict. We, we really need to attend to the sensitivity we have when we get our feelings hurt and repair the rupture. So the, the, the key to conflict is the repair. It's not that let's get so good at conflict, it never happens. It's let's get so good at the repair that when conflict happens, we can get our connection back sooner than later. I love it. I'm getting all sorts of memes for you for your social media post here. I love this. When we put up the podcast on the other side of conflict is always more magic and it's not about avoiding conflict. It's about repairing it really, really well said, Jason, man, that's so good. So, I mean, and that challenges me too, just like as an individual, and this is something that's become more important to me over the last few years. You know, I'm exactly that person you were talking about. There was conflict in my home. I'm also, I don't know if you like follow Enneagram, I'm a big number seven on Enneagram, Uh a big influencer in life languages. So I'm always looking for the shiny side of the coin. I'm always looking for the the light at the end of the tunnel. And and it's like, if there's conflict, the first thing I want to do is either avoid it, bury my head, or if it's face on, I want to try to just make it disappear. You know, my wife says, I'm, I'm hurt by something. And my first reaction, if I'm really honest, is either avoid it and shut down. But now I try not to shut down. I try to like be there, right? Yeah. But then my other go-to is if I'm being there, then I'm trying really hard not to take it personally. Even yeah. when she says something that feels personal. And I'm like, I know you're feeling hurt. But then it feels like you're blaming me for something. And I don't think I was wrong. And it's like, I got to fight that. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about, I think, I hope it's probably not just me. Can you talk a little bit about how to be present in conflict? The, I don't know, like whatever you would call it. Is it validating? Is it being present? Is it not taking it personally? Like, how do you do that without A, being a robot and without B, kind of flying off and reacting? Yeah. Those are I mean, my two default go-tos. Yeah, for like, sure. And and you are normal, by the way. This is this is, you know, the human condition. Oh, right? praise God. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> there's typically there's typically two types of people in conflict and and the people that move toward it and, and toward the other person rather under stress, and the other person moves away. Occasionally you're in a partnership where both people move away or both people move toward, and that's like the aggressive, like yelling at each other kind of couple. 
but usually it's like a dynamic with one person like, come on, let's talk about it. And the other person's kind of shutting down and disappearing. And, th- right? and that's going to be more us. You know, my wife's family growing up was very much the first one. Hey, if you're upset, you tell each other about it, a door slams, and then you forgive and you get over it. And my family was, hey, avoid it, hide, and maybe it'll disappear. So yeah. we, we've early on a relationship, that dynamic was really hard, but hopefully with your help, we'll get even better. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that you can recognize that, that we come from a certain download, a, a certain relational blueprint, I call it, about what we got uh, for relationships, both under stress and when times are good, we got what we got and we carry that into our marriage or our long-term partnership. And again, not bad or good. It's just what is. So you, you, you work with what you have and the downloads you got and then in, the, in your nervous system, and it's in your body. You know, you can't like transcend that. That's the robot you talked about. So how do we stay present? Um, we have agreements ahead of time that say, honey, let's, conflict is not bad. In our household, conflict is okay. Uh, we just stay in it until it's complete. And sometimes we need a break. Uh, if we need to go to bed angry, uh, it's okay as long as we come back in the morning and clean it up. So there's just an agreement that we always reach resolution. And when we can't, we go get help from someone else that's an expert and that can help us resolve it. And then we have agreements about during, like during the conflict, um, do we have our safe words? Do we take three breaths together and hold our hands? I find that there's top down calming down and there's bottom up calming down. Top down is like we use words in the prefrontal cortex, which is hard under stress because a lot of us are not in our prefrontal cortex. We're in our limbic brain. Um, but, and then there's bottom up where we don't use words, but we move toward our partner with our body language. We put out a hand, a gesture of our hand. We come sit next to our partner, even though we're angry at them. And we take a couple big breaths and we say, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. And I don't want to, I don't want to jet like I usually do. I, I want to stay and see if we can work through this. You know, just even little words, or or if you're a person who can't communicate, because some people under stress they they don't even find the words. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you're working against your nervous system, so you got to educate your partner, honey. Under stress, it's hard for me to talk. Please don't expect me to talk right then and there. I can't do it. I literally can't do it. I'm wired differently than you. And then you have agreements about well, how soon can you talk? How soon can you come on? Do you need ten minutes? Do you need an hour? And, and the research shows that the longer you wait. Um, the more damage you're causing basically in your brain um, because it, it uh, goes into long-term memory the longer you wait. So I, I just really try to encourage the listeners that repair as soon as you can with what you've got. And sometimes as soon as you can is like a day. Sometimes it's two days, but don't, don't let things linger. But you're working within the framework really, aren't you, of, of how the person works and how they're wired. That's um, right. So, okay, that's really, really good. Because I'll usually be a lot more like in the moment. And my wife is more contemplator where she's going to want to go. If I say, hey, do you, what do you want to have for dinner? She's like, well, hang on, let me think. And yep. big decisions are small decisions. That's really good. So basically set up, I'm hearing set up a lot of agreements and kind of operating agreements. How are we going to be in conflict? But set it up before you're in conflict. Set it up when you that's feel right. great and everything is neutral. Yeah. And then when you get in there and your emotions are coming out, that's when you can, like, do you guys, would you say like you even call each other on it? Like say if one person isn't really honoring that agreement, it's like, hang on, like, remember, you got to give me time. And hopefully the person goes, that's right. We said that. If you miss it, do you call each other out on it? Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, Yeah. I mean, again, that can be the agreement you have is yes, I'm open to feedback if I'm kind of 
breaching our agreements, honey. Call me out on that. Like, let me know. For example, if if I have a certain tone and we're trying to work it out, you can tell me to um, check myself on my tone. Like, you know, hey, the tone right now is is hard for me, and I want to hear you, but with that tone, it's hard to hear you. Mm-hmm. And then I can be like, okay, let me take some breaths. And I can soften my voice. I mean, my kids let me know, dad, you have a tone. And I'm like, right, I do. And when someone else tells me I have a tone and I defend myself, that's a waste of energy. Because I'm going with their well perception, right? It's like, if you tell me I have a tone, I probably have a tone, even though I don't think I have a tone. Right. Well, and you might, you don't have a tone to you and you might not have a tone to a different person, but exactly. What, it's only, it only is worthwhile because the person who's hearing it, otherwise it doesn't really exist, right? Yeah. And that's awesome. Let's, uh, as we kind of, kind of start winding down here, Jason, you have, I mean, you have some phenomenal, obviously great teaching on this, uh, phenomenal perspective. And I really appreciate and I honor you too for just leaning into it so hard and, and bringing that, that congruence of business home and your home life to business. It's not an easy thing. And I'm glad that there's people like you in the world doing it, man. I really am. Yeah. Thanks, Um, man. Jason's book again is the smart couple quote book, radically simple ways to avoid pointless fights, have better sex and build an indestructible partnership. If you want to learn about relationships, grab his book. You can also find more at relationshipschool.com. Follow Jason. It's J A Y S O N Jason Gaddis. So it's J-A-Y, like J, Jason. Gaddis is G-A-D-D-I-S. Jason Gaddis on Instagram, Jason Gaddis fan page on Facebook. It'll be in the show notes. You can just click on there or go right to the social media, of course. But you also have um, a pretty cool, what would you call that, a blueprint, your three keys. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, You can get, and tell us where you can get that and anything else you want to talk about, man. This is your time. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, smart couple podcast, uh, on iTunes, uh, the relationship school podcast, you, either way you'll find it. And, you know, over 200 and something episodes, they're all pretty amazing with guests that are killer. Matt will be on there soon and just Woo-hoo. really fun, fun stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the relationship that's kind of our home. Uh, and that, you know, it's a blog and a podcast essentially, and our courses and trainings. If you ever want to come do a super deep dive on that class, you never got in school. We do nine month training on that. Um, super intense. And then there's three keys. If you want to just get kind of get warmed up, it's a great class. It's just a free class you can take on three keys on how to navigate and work through conflict. Um, and just the, the way to communicate if you're like wanting a deeper dive, it's extremely good for conflict. Uh, you you can be a partnered individual, you can just be a single person, or you can be a couple. You can listen to it together. Outstanding. And you can find that, guys, at jasongaddis.com slash three keys. And again, we'll have that right in the show notes. It's free. It's a relationship class, single, together, or separated. I'm guessing it's going to help improve your relationship now or in the future. Definitely take them up on that. That is awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that as well, Jason. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Final question, as I, and I'll let you go. If you could change anything about your relational past, what would you change? Or would you leave it all the same? Nothing. Um, yeah, not a thing because I, it got me right here, man. It's like so incredible how my parents weigh, my siblings weigh, uh, the shit I went through in middle school and, and uh, the failed relationships all brought me right here. And uh, I'm grateful for all of it because it helps me relate and empathize with, you know, people that are struggling and it helps me do a better job teaching. Well said. 
Jason Gaddis, everyone. Thank you so much. Guys, that's the show for this week. I hope it was good. hope you enjoyed yourself. Jason Gaddis. Remember, follow Jason at Jason Gaddis, J-A-Y-S-O-N, on Instagram, Jason Gaddis fan page on Facebook. Follow the Relationship School uh, podcast. You can find relationshipschool.com, all the information there. And then grab the book, The Smart Couple Quote Book. And man, there's so many great things to get, but definitely follow Jason. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review. Follow this show if you want to make sure you never miss an episode with stellar, stellar guests like Jason. You're going to love it two times a week, every single week, coming at you with some of the best backstories and teaching lessons from successful visionaries and entrepreneurs around the world. Thanks so much. Matt Browning, have a killer week as usual. Get out there and crush it.